0: Welcome to This Way to the Stars, a beginner's guide to astronomy in Victoria. I'm Elise, amateur space enthusiast, and today I'm joined by Ken Limakand, former president of the ASB and section director of the New Astronomers Group. How are you doing today, Ken? I'm doing good. Excellent. So how did you first get us involved with astronomy?
1: Uh, well, my dad was into astronomy and there was five of us kids and I was the one that sort of caught the bug of astronomy. <laughs> Um, so I was four years, four years old when I started, and I can actually remember having an argument with my dad about which star we were looking at. And we only had a tiny little two-inch telescope, little oh. brass refractor, um, and I argued with him about which star we were looking at because he was pointing at, at one star, which was Alpha Centauri, mm. but in the telescope I could see two, and I said, no, that's not the one we're looking at because oh. there's two stars in the telescope, and he just told me that the telescope was very powerful and could do magic things. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I grew up with astronomy and at first I just thought maybe my dad's a bit weird and, um, you know, bit of a bit of a um, boffin or a um, mm. nerd or something. But <laughs> then one day um, a whole bunch of people turned up in our front yard with telescopes looking at the sun and I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then I learned all about the ASV. Mm. So as you get older, you know, that was probably when I was about nine years old. Mm. And then I got, um, dad built a bigger telescope and he wanted to build an observatory. So mm. he went around all the people in the ASV that had observatories and I tagged along with him. And that's when I started meeting with different people of the ASV. So, mm. But I came, didn't join the ASV for a long, long time till after he died. So. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah. So can you tell me a bit about the history of the ASV?
1: Um, not a good one for the history on the ASV. Sure. There's probably better people like um, sure. in the ASV for names and dates, but uh, we are about to hit our hundredth anniversary of the oh. ASV. So I
0: have to do an episode that on that. That <laughs> started in
1: nineteen twenty-two. Mm. So we're gonna be hosting the national conference astronomy conference NACA in 2022 as our 100th anniversary so mm. we've got to plan some events around that because whoever hosts gets to add a bit of a theme to it so we're going to sort of showcase some of our history
0: mm.
1: um, so we're starting to plan that because we just got officially approved to do that mm. so that's a really big step and the anniversary project for the ASV is to make our dark sky site available to all. So anyone with um, disabilities of any kind, we're we're looking at building an all abilities telescope and putting in pathways that anyone can navigate. So we're looking forward to doing that sort of work and Mm. really lifting the, the whole level of the ASV so anyone that wants to can come and use it. So yeah. there is a lot of history. Mm. And my dad was president back in 1975. There was just over 400 members back then. And I was president for three years. And we're over the thousand people marketing towards 1,500 now. So, yeah. <laughs> But a lot of the same things for any member of the ASV is still there today. So, so back in the day when my dad was president, he moved from a two inch scope to a seven inch scope. And now the ASV has just bought a 40 inch scope because we had the 25 before that, but there were actually some members with 25 inch telescopes, now 20 and 25, 18 inch. So we had to lift the mm. and um, go the 40 inch. So the ASV is still providing the things that members don't have, getting Mm. involved in big projects, helping out, um, and having equipment that a normal member just can't have. Like, how could you have a radio dish eight and a half metres wide in the back (laughs) You can't do that. No. And all the equipment that goes with it. So I think the ASV is still pursuing the same goals we've always pursued over the 100 years so Mm. it's really good to see that continuation.
0: Yeah that's great so could you tell me a bit about the new astronomers group that you're the section director of?
1: Yeah the new astronomer group was started by a um, ex-president of the ASV called Mm. Dr Tom Richards he was actually vice president when he started so the following year he had to hand that off because he became president and just didn't have the time because president's very busy job So he handed it on to someone else. And this was just a little 45 minute meeting before the monthly meeting at, well, it wasn't the herbarium at that stage, but it's that meeting that we Mm -hmm. have every month in at the herbarium. Then that guy, Andrew, he was moving out of Melbourne and he had noticed that I'd been at all the meetings, the new astronomer group that. Tom had started, I had been there since the first one. But it was interesting because I knew a lot of astronomy stuff and I was going to meet the people and the group of new people starting because coming in from my dad's perspective, I knew a lot of the old members mm. but none of the new ones. So I thought, that, hey, if I hook him here, I can start getting to know people. Mm. So I took over the um, new astronomer group, running it because I had the background knowledge and I had a helper too. So I've had a few helpers over the years. Mm. It was just before the meeting, the monthly meeting, which was a bit restrictive, you couldn't do a lot. And it was a chat and you'd have people coming in, dragging chairs, a lot of talking, it was really hard to do. So I moved it away from the monthly meeting to our ASV lodge. Mm because you've got all the posters around the room, you've got your audiovisual equipment. And so I set it up as a a monthly meeting. Mm. Um, We weren't an official section at that stage. And one of the presidents, um, Barry, he looked at the new astronomer group and the diurnals, which were actively doing ASV activity, but we weren't official sections. So that's when we made a proper section of the ASV. So I drew up a, I really opened up the group of, well, what do you guys want to do? And Mm. we came up with a 12 12 month format where every month we do a different subject. And if you go on the ASV website and click on sections, you'll see new astronomer group in there Mm. and we've got a page there. And if you go click on calendar, you can see the calendar of all the different events. Um, all the different topics we do. Mm-hmm. So i got into a bit of the science behind it and some of the stories of history. Mm. And that was really, really good. But members started to say, hey, Ken, I want to learn how to look at the night sky. Mm. So we sort of rejigged the program. And when I say we, I've got a couple of helpers in Stephen and Greg and they help me write articles. So what we do is we write little articles and put them all together. And what we've done is we've built a novice observing program. And this is about where do you start observing the night sky? So we've picked the 36 brightest stars in the sky. Mm. And they're spread all over the sky, except for a couple of groups being Orion and Crux. They've got a number of the brightest stars. But all the others, they're spread all over the sky and you can't see them all in one night. You've got to, you know,
0: Be patient. months.
1: <laughs> so you learn the rise and set of the constellations. You see the seasons go past and the constellations change. And learning these 36 brighter stars, then you learn the constellations they're in. And then we put all the things you might see with binoculars in there as well. So we, we knocked up a sheet so I can go and tick them all off. And then each month we put out, so we do two or three stars each month. Mm. Um, Orion, we do five all in one go. Mm-hmm. We tell you about the constellation and what's in there. Mm. Some of the things you might see with your binoculars. So this will teach you how to identify your constellations, the names, start learning some of the stars a little bit about some of the bright things that are really easy to see. So it wouldn't matter if you're in the suburbs, you'd still pick them out with your binoculars. So that's the idea. Mm. Now, the next one is to do the rookie program. This is, this is just in our heads at the moment, but we're probably gonna pick 60 telescope objects. Mm. So this will be thing, nice, easy to find objects now with just a little four, three or four inch scope, so or a lone telescope, you can go find these things. Um, one of the problems we hit with the six brightest stars is some of them are awfully close to the horizon. So um, we're going to avoid having people trying to find objects on the horizon, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. This is our, our next task to do. So this probably won't appear till 2021. And we'll, we'll roll it out and get some feedback of what people think. Mm. So we'll probably build a few months and say, what do you think what's missing? We ask people to contribute. Hardly mm. anyone does, but we're oh. open to it. No, just write an article about Orion or you know, your favourite object that you mm. see or something about your telescope something that a website you found that really helped you out so we try to share the information so one of the things I've noticed the move to zoom meetings mm. and zoom meetings have enabled a lot of people that normally can't get to meetings to come along but the the feel has changed I've always run the group um, when we get together at the lodge you can put your hands up anytime ask, ask questions mm. and you really try to get people involved. And I don't often answer the question straight away because 50% of the time someone else in the room will. So I allow that to happen nice. and get people talking to each other and helping each other out. And fairly soon you, you start seeing people that know certain things. Now they'll talk about, oh, I've got a computerized telescope. I can show you how to use that or someone knows about the Constellation, someone knows about Pinocchio, someone knows everything. Mm. So some people are really clever about certain things, but they know absolutely nothing about other areas. So we just try to offer a little bit about everything. And it's, it's my job to present a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the member's job to work out well, which one of those am I interested in. And then I point them to the other section meetings. So if they, if they start asking me lots of questions about, oh, you know, I'd like to make a telescope, I tell them about the instrument making section. People that get interested in observing, I said, have you ever thought of helping out with astronomy for the people, showing the public through telescopes? Mm. So I try to get them involved in other sections and it's run as a, a one-year period because... The subjects repeat. Some people have had come back and do three years of it. They, they can't mm-hmm. stay away. But eventually it's going to run out. So i try to get them going to the other meetings. So I asked them, you know, did you go to the meeting? How did it go? You know, so I try to engage them in the other part of the society. So we try to do a few different things and we try not to get too complicated. Having said that, we've just done the hardest talk of the year to talk about origin and evolution of the universe, the Big Bang. Mm. Really hard. Mm. But, but we step it up because we talk, we talk about the moon, then we talk about the solar system, then we talk about how stars work, then we talk about how galaxies work. So by the time we get to talking about origin of the universe and evolution, We've done some of the background work. You know, mm. Early days in New Astronomer Group, the members were actually asking me, can you make every month totally different to the last one? It didn't work. No. <laughs> so I've built through it. each Each quarter is a different thing. Mm. So, so we're going to do life in the universe next month and then because we get the better weather, we'll do all the observing things. So we'll do Star Atlases, having some sort of goal, some sort of challenge for yourself. So there's different challenges out there, um, you know, like the messier challenge or mm. planets, um, maybe spotting some moons. How many can you see the four moons of Jupiter? You don't. Like I was out last night, four moons. But sometimes you see um, two, three. So.
0: Yeah. I've never seen all four. Maybe I
1: should never set that challenge on myself.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So it's really interesting. We try to mix it up and we, you know, there's the old methods I was brought up with. You have a planisphere and a red torch and Mm. and, an atlas and you go out there with a piece of paper. But now we've got apps on our phones and you can take your tablet out and you've got computerised telescopes. So I try to tell people that even though some people will say having a computer on a telescope is cheating, some people do Mm -hmm. use it as an assist because when you first start you don't know where anything is so use it as an assist and if you want when you're ready for the challenge turn your computer off um, on the telescope and and go and try to find it so step yourself up use it as an assist get yourself going because i've been up at leon mouse dark sky site and we've had people wander over you know you get little groups on the observing field Mm. and there was one guy all by himself. And that's fine. If he wants to do that, we invited him over. No, 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 I'm fine. About an hour and a half later, he wanders over and asks us if we knew where the ring nebula was, because he'd been looking for it for an hour and a half. And and we spin our heads around and look at the constellations and we say, well, it's, it's kind of over behind that big tree. You really need to wait (laughs) another hour for it to come up. So Maybe if he had his computer, if he had it turned on his tablet or fired Mm. up Stellarium on his laptop, you know, the week before, he may have found that some sort of stuff. So there's all sorts of tips and hints. Mm. And we write little articles and every month we're giving out notes. So that's all moving online. So if you want to hook into the new astronomer group, Mm -hmm. there's an email group. So just log in as, as a member, as yourself, and on that member button, you'll see email and you just go down there and you'll see deep sky section, cosmology, etc. Just click the email. And in the week before each meeting, I'll send you an invite saying meeting is on. Here are the notes attached to the email. So you'll get those. And we've got a, a NAG website. Mm-hmm. I'm just rebuilding it at the moment because when I it hadn't been active for a while because when I got Windows Ten it killed <laughs> killed everything. So I'm starting from scratch and um, yeah, that's just starting to go up again now. So in the next few months, that'll be where you can go to get notes. So we'll have a per last month, this month, next month type thing. So mm-hmm. get a chance to get on and get the notes and. We'll get the observing notes in there too. So, And yeah, we're always cool. looking for feedback, people mm. that want to, you know, write stuff up for the group. You can get your credit on the bottom, get your name there. So it's all welcome. Yeah, it sounds it's, great. It's a lot of fun. Mm. It's a lot of fun to do. Sometimes it's hard work, but, you know, <laughs> it's all nice Yeah, it
0: sounds great. So you are talking before about, you know, for a beginner starting out with like the Planisphere or having an app. For a complete beginner, which do you think is better?
1: It depends what you're used to. We get a lot of people sort of, the majority of people are older. Um, Mm. I'll get a lot of people come in and say, I've just retired, I'm looking for something to do. I've got the time now. Or the kids have moved out of home now and I'm mid-40s. No, I can't afford the red sports car, but maybe a red telescope. <laughs> so, so it's really interesting. That sort of generation of people, they're used to maps mm. and they'll understand a planisphere, but not so much for some of the younger people. Now, the interesting thing is a few years ago, Facebook got added to the ASV webpage mm. and we've We're getting these young people coming through the new astronomer group that were very rare before. To have someone under 30 was very rare. And it's really good to see them coming through now. And they want to look at the app on their phone or a tablet or or a laptop. So they're really interested in that. But not all of them. Some of them want to learn the old stuff. Some of them want to have a piece of paper and print out a chart, scribble all over it. And you know, put a smiley face next to it, take a photo, send it to their mate saying, I've got this one tonight. So they they go the old style and mm-hmm. then they put the smiley face on and send it out to their mate. So they're mixing. So that's really good. And yeah. I think it it's really lifted the the mood for all the old people because they're mm-hmm. engaging we had a session in February just before the lockdown Mm. and it was about telescopes. Now in the past I've had a few ASV members bring in specialised equipment, telescopes, Mm. show it off. But I've I've spun that right round and asked some of the new members to bring their own telescopes in Mm. and some of them came in and talked about all the technical bits and I brought it on eBay and they're telling you how, how it works, how it's used. And one of the girls comes in and says, this is my baby. And she's holding it in her arms like this. Aww. I love this telescope. And she really connected with the telescope. And it was, it was a cheap telescope, but it's really quite well made. And mm. it's super portable. So you can just put it in the passenger footwell of your car. Now, wrap it up in something, take it anywhere. She can just walk out on a balcony and take it out there or take it with her anywhere. And I reckon she connected with more people in the room than the others, mm. even though technically some of these people were brilliant, even though they were new members. So I think the whole social side and Facebook is really kicking in all through the ASV, and I hope that continues because mm. it's really good for everybody, I think.
0: Yeah, I hadn't so, thought about that aspect. That's, that's really lovely.
1: <laughs> it's, it is. It's really cool because you, mm. you get it shared around and you hear mm. the stories. Mm. I'd I, I done a photography one about oh, probably six, eight years ago now, mm. and I had a section director come in and, and the level he was at was super high, super technical. He brought in cases of really expensive equipment. And I also had a new member. This was when I was experimenting having new members. Mm. And he was at the opposite end of the scale. The section director was absolutely brilliant. And I'm I'm sitting there thinking, oh no, what have I done to this other guy? He's <laughs> he's gonna get creamed here. He's he's just gonna be He came in totally opposite, from the opposite end of the scale. He had all these pictures of all the different places he had travelled the last three years, and all the different astronomical photos he'd taken at all these different places. So it was a totally different talk, and it it was like a little travelogue. So he was doing something totally different in astrophotography, and both were absolutely brilliant talks. It's Mm -hmm. one of the few times I've had two people speak and both have been absolutely spot on for the group. And I always measure my new astronomer group. If I get a lot of discussion in the room going around, I know it's a good one. If it goes quiet, I don't. So what I've noticed with the Zoom meetings is we've had this really good reaction in the room but now that we've moved to Zoom, I start talking and it seems to turn into a lecture. And mm. I stop and have to ask some questions and try to get some responses. It's a lot harder, I think. Mm, definitely. And I, a lot of more people are coming in, people that normally couldn't get to the ASV Lodge, but it's a different feel. So I've got to work out a way to get people involved on Zoom. So mm. that's why. My current project.
0: I think that's the conundrum a lot of people are having at the moment with, you know, workplaces Mm. and studies and everything. It's tricky.
1: Yeah, it is tricky, but you know, we'll find a way and yeah. Maybe I won't trigger it out, but some of the members might figure it out for me. That often happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's really great to hear about. So you've been involved in the ASV for quite a while now. What are two of the yeah. resources for amateur astronomers that have developed and changed over the past couple of decades?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. If you go back to uh, 1970s Norton's Star Atlas, it'll have maps of each constellation. And between the map of each constellation, you have two pages where they talk about the objects you can look at. And when you look at a 1970s Star Atlas, it'll list 10 things to look at in a constellation. Because back when that was written, even though it's a 1970s edition, it probably was written in the 1950s and every now and then they do updates. And the telescopes back then were really small. You know, to have a, a six-inch telescope back then in the 1950s, 1960s, was a big deal. And that's one of the things the actually does because we've got the beautiful 12-inch telescope in at Melbourne Observatory and other telescopes. So all the objects were only the objects you could see in in a 6-inch telescope. Now, we know a lone telescope is an 8- or a 10-inch telescope. Mm -hmm. So the lists were really out of date and the producers, the publishers, have had to lift their game. So if you go pick up a Norton Star Atlas today, there's a lot more information about a lot more objects. And we've they're, they're, it took them a while to catch up. So probably in about the 90s was when the star atlases started getting good again. Mm-hmm. Of course, the computers come along. So they take all that information, brightness of stars, position, and then you can animate that in your computer. So I usually push... The Stellarium application, one because it's free, Mm. and two because you can hit F1 for help and you only get a few pages of instructions. Now, some of these things Mm. you can have a 300 page book now, and a newbie's not going to get that. No. (laughs) Just by clicking the mouse, moving the arrows, and there's a few, you know, learn. 10 controls and you can zoom around the sky and it simulates what the sky is going to look at so if you zoomed right out it just looks like naked eye sky you zoom in a bit objects start popping out it's like you've got binoculars and when you zoom right in it looks like a telescope view so i really get people to and i i call these cloudy night tasks so if it's a clear night, you should be mm. outside. Mm. Cloudy night, which we've got a lot of at the moment. Yep. <laughs> get in on the computer, pick a few targets, where you're gonna go, get familiar with that piece of sky. So it really gives you instant feedback. You can click on an on object, little grid will come up, all the information, how bright it is, how far away it is, what type of object it is. And you can customize the view the brightness of the sky to match your backyard or if you're going up to the dark sky and you're used to the backyard, all of a sudden the number of stars is going to be 10 times. So you can crank it up on the computer and uh, realise that you're going to get lost. Yeah, because I've I've
0: definitely found that difficult going from, I mean, very close to the CBD in Melbourne. It's hard to see anything. Then I go to the dark sky and then suddenly I'm completely lost and don't know where anything is. So
1: yeah. Sounds like a good solution to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I really push people, even though they can't see all the beautiful objects, get out there in your backyard. At least find out where these objects are. Now, you may look at an object, be able to see it, but it, it looks rubbish. But what it means is if, if you don't look from your backyard and only look when you go to deep sky, you're going to go up there and look for 20 minutes before you find that object. personal project of mine was to find the bug nebula. Now, I looked and looked probably a dozen times from my backyard and I could not find it. I found all the little star hopping stars and I thought, you know, this is the right place. It should be there. I can't see it. So you're doubting yourself. But I went up the dark sky site, 45 seconds, bang, (laughs) there it was. It was just too bright at home. I just couldn't see it. And it it also, I didn't realise how small it was. So I had to really get magnification on it. Um, that I I hadn't been using from home because you're searching all around. You don't go to high power. Mm. So it's interesting. So get out there. And even if you can't see them well from your backyard, just going through the motions of finding where things are. And you may draw on your um, your star atlas, Mm. um, little arrows of where you're going to hop and things like that. Really interesting when my dad had his star atlas, a, a comet came flying through and I'd never seen a star atlas before. And I said, Dad, what, is, what what book is that? I've got no idea what he's looking at. And he actually drew the comet where it was each night. So he actually wow. was annotating his wow. stars. Now, one of my projects is to go back and work out what comet that is. You know, one day I'm going to sit down and work out what that is. But we look, watch that go through Sagittarius and Scorpius, one of the busiest parts of the Milky Way, mm. and you know, Dad had shown me a few things in the night sky. But every night we were following the comet, but we weren't just seeing the comet. I was saying, Dad, what's that object there? What's that? Cl-? We went past uh, twenty objects, you know, in a matter of weeks that I'd never seen before. So that was really interesting. But people will go out and spend $100 on an atlas. And mm. you know, if they get a speck of dust on it, they're, they're really <laughs> upset. So there is the option that there is charts out there and you can print them out and you can scribble all over them and you know, put your little smiley face, whatever you <laughs> want to do, and keep your atlas to one. So, but I, I, I think drawing on your atlas is, is, is a good thing. Mm. Don't be scared. <laughs> then it becomes yours
0: yeah it's <laughs> like a a
1: dog-eared book <laughs> yeah shows your travels
0: mm. yeah so thanks so much for t- talking to me today about the new astronomers group i'll put a link to it in the show notes as well so people can go and check it out
1: sounds oh. like you're doing really good work with it and good luck with zoom yeah <laughs> having a lot of fun and yeah as long as i'm engaging with people i'm happy to keep it going
0: Thanks for listening to This Way to the Stars, produced for the Astronomical Society of Victoria. For more information on the ASV, please visit asv.org.au. See you next time. Thanks for listening to This Way to the Stars, produced for the Astronomical Society of Victoria. For more information on the ASV, please visit asv.org.au. See you next time.